All right, everybody, welcome back. This is the second episode of the EAD podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Bartle. I am your host. And of course, today with the second podcast, I had to bring on the guy who is actually one of the co-founders of Elite Athlete Development, one of my best friends in the entire world, Jay Ashman, co-owner of Kansas City Barbell. Um, Jay, thanks for coming on, man. You've been uh, such, an, such an influence on me. I'm just stoked that you're taking the time out to come join us today. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. I mean, you're you're a good friend and shit. I mean, you have my back for all this time. We've been we've known each other, so oh, you're a great guy all the way around. So for those people that don't know, since we're tucked up here in the northwest corner of Washington, and and you've basically been all over from New York to Oklahoma, and now you're finally settled in in Kansas City. Why don't you give people a little bit of your athletic background? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, obviously, I played a year of college football. You know, they didn't really cut the grades back then. I was too much of a partier. So I dropped out, went to community college, and I finished my four-year degree. I finished my four-year degree somewhere else. And I ended up uh, getting lucky enough to have an NFL workout in 1998 because of my athletic ability. You know, I that so much film. However, I didn't make it, which is fine. I gave it one good shot, gave it a run, didn't do it. And then after that, I started playing rugby. And I played for Reading Rugby, Division II team, for a little bit. Moved to Long Island, played for Long Island Rugby. And then after that, I got recruited to play for Old Blue on the Super League side. So Super League side back then, for those who don't know, was actually the pro-level rugby in America without getting paid. So it's before we got paid. <laughs> so everything that we yeah, everything that we got was covered for by sponsors, like uniforms, lodging, food, transportation. But there was never any money changing hand before rugby in America was even taken remotely seriously as a sport like for example back in those days the people who made the u.s national team that were playing the all blacks and the south african team the australian teams they had to take off work to play they had to get permission from their employers to play because they had daytime jobs they're playing club rugby yeah. so you got when you got amateurs that are basically working as accountants or something like that playing against guys who were getting paid a couple million dollars a year to play rugby it was a big differential in, quality of athlete sure so nevertheless after i you know did that i re retired in 2009 i did strongman a little bit during that time which is a decent strong man i attempted powerlifting which i was a very average powerlifter to be honest i mean i was strong but i was strong for the real world like i could bench above 400 or like a deadlock over seven at one point but on a platform, obviously, I'm middle of the pack for my weight class, which is fine. And then since then, I stopped lifting, started doing training a little more sensibly for me, opened a gym up, Kansas City Barbell. <clears throat> and now I'm doing a men's physique show in November, my first one. So I'm currently in show prep for that. And <laughs> then I look pretty on stage and be on Lean's hand. Covered in tattoos and piercings. Yeah, no, well, that's part of the fun. <laughs> all right buddy um first question for you how would you define define elite athlete development well elite athlete development is pretty much your baby at this point but it's basically getting and i think that the way we want to do it from the start is getting elite athlete development to get the best out of each athlete for each sport each particular time so i'm always looking at sports training as complete gpp and i know you agree with this where it's like we don't necessarily you're training the athlete 
to receive coaching the proper way. And I think a lot of strength coaches need to realize that is that in the weight room and what we do is not SPP by any means. SPP is on the field, it's in practice. You know, we're preparing them to receive the practice the most effective way. All right, are they more durable? Yes. Are they stronger? Yes. Are they faster? Yes. Are they quicker? Yes. Do they have mental toughness? Yes. So the athlete development in me is like prepping the athlete for the sport in the best possible way. What are your thoughts on, because this was a hot topic uh, a couple years ago and it still comes up every now and then, but the age-old argument of to back squat or not to back squat or single leg is the only way to go because you only play sports on, on one leg. So tell me, I know, I know you're very passionate and thoughtful on this topic. So hit us with that. It's extremely relative, honestly. Now I will say this on certain sports, it's smart to back squat, like in a power sport, like football or rugby or something like that, where strength, lower body strength for driving a pile or driving into a tackle is extremely important the back squatting is going to be important. Now, having said that, you don't need to have a back squat that's three times your body weight. Now, for example, I remember Trent Richardson from the Cleveland Browns. He's a gym, he's a gym hero. He was squatting 700 pounds in a video with a safety squat bar, ass like pretty deep. It wasn't a typical football squat. Like you see it like above parallel, it was good. And how good was he as a pro? He was an average pro at best. Yeah. I mean, he was a great college running back, but I didn't try to wait for the pros. Strength only goes so far. And if you start gearing those players up to that one domain of getting stronger only, you're neglecting things like speed, agility, conditioning, and whatnot. So it's a very fine line. So anybody who's dogmatic about how to train an athlete is really losing the point of training an athlete. And each individual athlete, I mean, or each position, especially in high school, you know, when you get to the top level of the pros, you're going to have a lot of, like, individual differences and maintain. Like, you're going to have some players, like even Tyrone Wheatley, you remember him oh, yeah. from Michigan. When he was a freshman running back, remember his games, he was like, what the fuck? I mean, this guy looked like he was going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. Yep. And then when he, was a, when he was a senior, he was kind of average. And what happened? They said he got too big and got too strong, so he lost his speed. Yeah, He basically lost what made him great. So when you have an athlete that looks like they're really good in one domain, like if you have an athlete who's blazing fast, do you really need to get him stronger depending on the position? Like a wide receiver, does he have to bench press 185 for 20 reps? Who gives a shit? If he can run by somebody, what can run with that? Yeah, right. You know, yeah, it might, it might hurt when he gets hit, but he has to get caught first. Right. And I think know, yeah, like even look, that's how, that's how I look at it. It's a very dogmatic view on training that you can't have if you want to be a good strength coach. Yeah. I think the, the one athlete that comes to my mind who looked big and strong and ran like a freight train was Christian Okoye. Oh, yeah. And obviously in Kansas City, he's like a, he's a deity here. Yeah. But he was also, he was like a Nigerian nightmare yep. <laughs> where he was, he was just, even Bo Jackson, for God's sakes. Yeah. But Bo was that once in a lifetime athlete where he was big, strong, and fast. I think he still holds the fastest combine time for hand time. He was a 4-2-140 that was hand time in the combine. And I'm pretty sure that was the fastest time ever for hand time. So uh, you got people like him who transcend it, people like Akoya. But you can't look at their training 
as saying, well, I should do that. You can never look at the elite to, to train everybody else. Right. Which is why I've always liked programs like Wendler's 531 for high school kids. I got an opportunity to talk to Wendler a couple of years ago at, a, at an event in Topeka. And we had about an hour discussion about how we train these high school athletes. And he, he's nothing if not consistent with how we train people. I mean, the kids are basically running a modified version of 531 doing circuit work. And every single year I look at their stats too, they're, they're running over people. Yeah. I mean, they're like, they're an old, old school Ohio football team, big, strong, fast, and have a running game. Yeah. And they have a good team because they're, that's, just, that's what you do with kids. You get them stronger, you get them faster. Now, when we get to the higher levels of sport, like Division One college football, you know, when I was junior or senior, then you start worrying about, okay, what does this guy really need to get to the next level? Because sometimes being stronger isn't going to be enough. That's why I look at people I say with a back squat is a king. Yeah, it's a king for development of a novice athlete, but after a certain point, is it really the king? Yeah, I think a lot of strength coaches these days are so preoccupied with getting followers and likes on Instagram that if you actually took Wendler's program and showed it to them, they would argue with you until they're blue in the face that this is the worst thing they'd ever seen on paper and that there's no way that that would ever get a kid stronger and faster. But then I would look at that coach and be like, you give me that football team versus any of your players and your kids will end up in the hospital because Wendler's kids will run you the hell over. Like, yeah. And at that, 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 that level of high school, very few of those kids are making to a college football team. I mean, very, very few. And you'll know when you have a kid that's going to be a special kid. I mean, every, every coach knows that. Yeah. And like, I, I trained kids in high school in Ohio that were that made the Air Force Academy on four rides and like Ohio State. And I'm sitting there watching the kids in the weight room at the old gym. And I'm like, man, I just give this kid something to do when he does it. It's not even... I'm not even coaching him. I'm just like watching. Yep. Because some of those kids are just, they're just built. They're different. They're different breeds. Yeah. So, but they have kids that most kids aren't like that. They just want to have fun, play with their friends and have some good memories. Have some good memories. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, best, best thing to do, get stronger, work them a little faster, get them a little more durable. Boom, you win. Yeah. It's crazy. So I started working with a high school on the other side of the state, writing their program for the summer. And they looked at it and they're like, what the hell is this? I'm like, this is going to make you awesome. And when we tested their speed at the beginning of the summer versus the end of the summer, I mean, we were talking three, three tenths to five tenths of a second faster in the 40. And all I had them do was squat bench and dead and then do some circuit work, my style, yeah. you know, and they yeah. were just, they were absolutely shocked that they were able to go from, you know, QB one went from a five, one to like a four, seven, eight. And he was just like, Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Now I can actually run the ball. I don't have to be so reliant on it. So I think, yeah, I think, Sometimes you need the basics, but you also, you know, you need to kind of look a little outside the box every now and then. Oh, yeah. Basics are only going to work for a certain extent for a lot of people. They really do. But then if you, if you predicate yourself on, if you, I'm sorry, you put yourself into a pigeonhole where all you know is the basics, when you get somebody who needs something a little differently, like Mike Boyle in his infamous article, yeah. you know, the squad is dead. I mean, if people look at that analytically, they will realize he's probably correct. Because you have to look at, have to look at the, the population he trains. He trains hockey players. hockey players. Yeah, the hockey players are extremely reliant upon one leg, unilateral strength. Yep. They're not. It's a, it's, a, it's a sport made for balance. It's a sport made for driving off one leg at a time. People say, oh, running is the same way. I'm like, yeah, but hockey isn't really a, a power sport per se. Where you're not, I mean, yeah, it is, it is a little bit, but it's also not. So you have to really look at the unilateral aspect of that sport a little differently than you do with, say, football 
or say rugby. I mean, every sport needs a unilateral component, but some sports need it more. And I believe, by judging by his assessment as players, obviously it worked for him. Right now, of course, why I think people screw up in our business is that a lot of times shred coaches are powerlifting coaches. Yes, they, that's, that's the that's the overlap. Right. So they get very dogmatic from powerlifting, thinking that that's going to make every athlete better, and that doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, uh, not a lot of people may know, but Jay is also one of the best nutrition coaches on the planet. And uh, what is it? Is it Kansas City Nutrition or KC Nutrition? KC Nutrition. KC Nutrition. So, let's kind of pivot a little bit. Uh, let's talk nutrition for high school kids. And I don't want you to talk like you're, you're speaking to high school kids. I want you to talk like you're speaking to parents. Because... Right. I think the biggest disconnect that we're seeing right here is the kids think one thing and the parents see another. And I, I've right. had you talk about nutrition with me a bunch and, and how to help my kids. So what is your philosophy or, or, or theory when it comes to getting kids to eat, but I want you to talk to the parents? Okay, the parents need to realize that they have to be in – control and awareness of what their child is eating. Now, most parents obviously work, especially in this economy, with a double double income household. They're not often gonna have a household anymore that's gonna have a single income. If you do, that's, that's a fortunate thing. But the parent needs to be active in a child's life. If your child is playing a sport, you need to ensure they're eating enough. Now, their activity level is gonna be already high. And that means making sure they have to have a filling breakfast and I always say, guys, split up your plate, split up your plate into fours. You know, one section is going to be a pretty good amount of protein. One section be some fruit. One section be some carbs. The other section be some healthy fats. Whether it's avocados, cheese, nuts, I don't give a shit. They're a kid. They can get away with eating a little bit more than we can. Their metabolism is fired the hell up, and they're active. So they need to have free meals like that, where they're eating protein, carbs starch fruit or vegetables and a fat kind of situation and they're eating enough of it now i wouldn't worry about macro tracking with a kid or tracking their diet per se kids have enough to worry about and starting them off with disordered eating habits you know but if, you, if the kid's eating three solid meals a day that, that are nutritionally dense they can get away with eating a candy bar here and there they can get away with having pizza with their friends during nighttime but it's all about going those bases of like, okay, well, tonight I'm going out with my friends. Tonight you're going to go out with their friends, have some pizza at a pizza party. That's cool. If you had two big meals during the day, we'll be okay. And then when you come back the next day, you pick up where you left off. The only thing that prevents that are parents' ambivalence towards their kids' diet. Because parents get so wrapped up in their own lives, they don't understand that the school lunch isn't always enough food for kids. God, so may, maybe, pa maybe pack a lunch for your kid. Maybe say, all right, well, you have your school lunch. Here's some extra food with a lunchbox for you. But a kid may not think that's cool to have a lunchbox, but who gives a flying shit? <laughs> if a kid's going to be an athlete, there are a lot of things they're going to do that aren't going to be the norm. I mean, like, for example, right now, I don't drink. I don't eat out. You know, I'm a, I'm a single guy, technically. So I go out on dates, and I have, when I go out, I have to eat before I go out on a date because of what I do. So when I go to a restaurant, I'm basically watching her eat which is a little bit weird, I'm not going to lie, but that's part of what you do to sacrifice for a greater goal. Now, kids have to have that goal in mind. They have to have 
fun. But that balance as a parent, teaching that kid to balance is critical. And where that comes in handy if the parent actually knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. So every parent that is involved with a high school kid is some aspect in athletics. I personally believe they should have a sit down with a strength coach or a nutritionist, somehow even a group situation, or like, hey, every parent of a team get together for a Zoom chat, and the coach or the strength coach or the trainer will go over to the parents like, look, this is how I want your kids to eat. This is your responsibility. Yeah, maybe your kid will never be a great athlete, but it's far beyond that. Now, they're learning discipline by being an athlete. They're learning accountability. They're learning teamwork. They're learning brother and sisterhood. And more importantly, we're going to teach them how to eat for life. So we're not going to live on junk food. We're not going to, like, every single morning have a box of Eggos and loaded with syrup. Okay, we're going to have some more protein with that, maybe some lean sausage, maybe some strawberries. So you're teaching a parent, like, this is how you create a meal. This is what we should do to our kids to help them have healthy habits. Because the habits you are born, habits you are raised with as a kid will translate into later in life. And if the kids learn how to eat like shit when they're younger, they're going to do that when they're older. I will say this, though, dude. When I was, I think I was in like second or third grade, when I showed up with the Thunder Thundercats lunch pail, I was the biggest baller in school, man. Love me some Thundercats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are great. <laughs> Okay, so what about the parent who says, uh, no matter what, I've tried everything, but I just still can't get my kid to eat? Yeah, I would say you're the parent, right? You're a kid. So find out why your kid isn't eating. Communicate with your kid. Parents, kids are notoriously sometimes difficult to communicate with. They don't always, they're not always up front. And they're not saying kids always lie, but they don't always tell the whole truth either. I mean, that's, that's a kid thing. I did it. You did it. We all did it. But so it's like, what can you help the kid with? I'm like, do they not like the food? Do are they drinking too much, drinking too many bangs or ghost drinks where low load up in caffeine and their appetite suppressed? Yeah. How are they sleeping? Are they sleeping enough? I mean, if you, if you don't sleep enough, you're going to crave Snickers bars and M&Ms. They're going to crave junk food. That's, that's clinically proven. If you sleep plenty, you're going to want to eat sustainably and healthy. Are you drinking enough water? All these little things parents have asked your kids if they want to be actively involved with a child's health and development. You know, these are all things that will assist their development, assist their brain power, assist their energy, and assist their athletic performance. I mean, when we look at athletic performance, that's last in the list, honestly. Yeah. Because we're, you're, you're raising young men and women. And as a coach, when you're working with kids that are like 16 and under, that's a tremendous responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, you're basically, everything you do, those kids will remember. So later on in life, they'll look back on saying, hey, Coach Bartle was a great guy. Or, hey, I hated Coach Bartle. What an asshole. But you could, be, you could be a tough coach. You could be fair. But you'll have to be called an asshole. I mean, but I worked with some coaches when I was a kid. I just couldn't stand. I hated them. This day, I still hate them. And I worked with some coaches who were very hard but very fair, who I know have my back and were good people. I remember finally, despite how difficult they could be, I learned valuable lessons from them. And parents have to realize that too. It's like you want to be your kid's friend, but you can't. Yeah. The kid has the kid is your child. You can be cool with your kid, hang out with them. But at the end of the day, it's like your job as a parent is essentially troubleshooting your child's life. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, put your athlete hat on real quick, and then we're, I want to keep the conversation going to the parents. But why don't you give me, give me like two or three of your go-to pregame meals that we can share to the parents and kind of give them some ideas since we're smack in the middle of football season, right? We got more games this weekend. WhatcomCountySports.com, by the way, shameless plug. We got games on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so how do we, how do we help these kids? Because one of the things that I have, this this is kind of my issue with, with school lunches, right? And I don't, I don't mean to pick on the schools, but... Um, a little container of chocolate milk and an uncrustable is not a sustainable pre-practice meal or pre-game meal. Yeah. So again, give me two or three of your your favorite go-to for yourself that you know have worked with athletes that kids can just crush and then go out and, and be the hammer to all those nails on the field. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to eat right before a game for obvious reasons. You'll, you'll get sick and throw up. I mean, let's say your game is like early afternoon or like 10 o'clock, I mean, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something like that. You're there for breakfast, just, uh, you know, have some eggs, have some toast, have some home fries, you know, eat plenty of carbs. I mean, if you stay in for the rest of the day and, you know, maybe throw in some breakfast sausage. I personally like turkey sausage because it's lean. I really like to avoid eating too much fat before a game because it kind of weighs you down, make you feel a little sluggish. And people are like, what about carbs? I'm like, yeah, carbs will make you sluggish for a couple seconds. It will. But by the time game moves around, you're going to have energy. The carb will last the state. And then drink plenty of water. I mean, we I'm probably sure you've used this before, but the Franco lemonade. Yeah. You have the lemon, the sea salt, a little bit of stevia, and a gallon of water. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, real salt, sea salt, makes an electrolyte drink called Relight. That's lemon-lime flavored. It's basically all electrolytes plus a ton of sodium. You can dump a scoop or two of that in a gallon of water, and you can sip that during the day before the game. You know, I would drink the whole thing. You can be pissing nonstop, <laughs> but you can take that with take that with you to the games too, and have it. You know, when you're in between plays and you're sitting down or something like that, and you're chilling out. So there's ways you can do it to sustain sustain energy for that that you're not because you don't want to have in a field sport or athletic sport where you're really exerting energy. You don't want to eat right before you go out. Like obviously lifting sports are a little bit different because people will lift during the, you know during events. But as a sport, you know, have that normal meal in the morning. Don't make anything else you would add. Don't try anything magical like eggs, lean sausage, some home fries, maybe a piece of toast. You know, save the butter. Don't eat that just yet. And then the water, or even like Gatorade or Pedialyte, something that's gonna like give you some extra electrolytes and sodium. Because you're going to sweat it out and you're going to lose it during the game. So you want to prepare as much as you can. Now, I'm not saying that's going to guarantee you're going to feel great during the game. But it's going to be a lot better than, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to wait a game. I'm hungry. Get me a king-side peanut butter cup and a Diet Coke. You know, that's 400 calories of peanut butter cups right there that you're going to, you're going to pretty much going to burn off in a matter of minutes. And you're going to be hungry as shit. Because being hungry isn't really a fun way to play the game. But you don't want to be full either. Yeah. Okay, 7 p.m. kickoff. Kids got to be to school by 5, and they're in the locker room. How do you structure eating around around that, and what would you recommend? Well, I would say probably the last – usually what I know what we did in high school football, I remember it very, very well, is the evening – Friday evening game. Basically what we would do is every, every Friday afternoon after school ended, we had a spaghetti dinner mm-hmm. in the cafeteria. So it was spaghetti, a bunch of meatballs, and sauce. Now, for a kid, that's going to be fine. 
you can do that around like right after school. You know, even if, if you're still in school, I don't know if your school does that, but it's come down like, hey, maybe pack a lunch in, you know, bring it with you and I eat it cold. I mean, that's a lot I can do for a kid. I get it. But if you can't go home first and then go to the game, so if you're at school and you have to stay at school and do all your crap, make sure you have some sustenance in you about like 3 o'clock, 3.30. That way when 7 o'clock rolls around, you're digested for the most part. You're not feeling weighed down. You're not feeling run down. You might feel a little bit, you know, weighed down when you're doing some drills. But like Alan Iverson once said, practice. Yeah. Give a shit about practice. Yeah. Show up for the game. I mean, get to practice the best you can, but where it counts on the field. Yeah. I remember when I was a senior, man, it was, it was so much fun because we had such a good group of seniors that on a home game, right when we got out of school, everybody would come over to my house and Mama Bartle would cook the biggest breakfast. So we would show awesome. up. I mean, it was just bacon and sausage and eggs and pancakes or waffles just until the cows came home. And we would have it early. I mean, we were out at like 2.30. People were at my house by like 3, 3.30 just gorging on food. And then we would have a snack. We would get to the field a little bit early, you know, maybe like 5.45 or 6. And I remember always having like a granola bar or something like that that I was snacking on. I was walking in the locker room. And then on away games, our, our um, superstition was we'd always go to the same Chinese food place. We would get Chinese food to eat for the bus ride down. Because way back then, this we were the first school to really consistently travel to Seattle to have to play teams. You know, we, we were a 4A school in a 1A county. So we were driving to Seattle. So we were stuck on a bus for two hours. So the Chinese food was just epic. Oh, yeah. It's like MSG and all that, you know, based on a sodium and blowing you up. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it fills you up pretty quick. Especially, and you can do a Chinese buffet pretty easily. It's like you can do chicken and broccoli and a bunch of rice. You can do chicken and a stick and a bunch of rice. You don't have to eat all the fancy fried shit. No. You can just, I mean, obviously kids kids are going to do that because that's what kids do. Yeah. But nevertheless, you don't have to do that. You can go, I mean, I've been to main Chinese buffets in my big days. Yeah, and I yeah. Just crush, I just crush chicken and a stick and white rice all damn night. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Um, okay, so one of the number one questions that parents always ask me, and I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer this, but parent comes up to you, what supplements do I give my kids What do you, to, to make them be ah, the next uh, Patrick Mahomes or you know the next uh, Ray Lewis? None, but most of them are going to help that, honestly. But I will say certain supplements – I personally feel are a must for everybody to take. Now, creatine for number one, five grams a day. Drink plenty of water. Because the, the documentation and the research behind creatine is so vast and extensive. Yep. I think everybody should take it. Not only is it cardio protective, it also benefits your brain health. It also regenerates ATP. It's pretty much like one of those drugs that's a wonder drug. Yeah. I mean, I would say drug, but it's a wonder supplement. Now. Yep. If you have a kidney issue already, don't take it. It's not going to hurt your kidneys, but if you have a kidney issue, I would definitely talk to your doctor first, parents. Yes. Number two, the vitamin D. Yeah. Especially in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Because you guys don't get enough sun anyway. And every single person who trains or plays a sport is going to be deficient in vitamin D. So 2,000 IUs a day is plenty for a kid. I, I take more than that, and I won't recommend more than that because I'm not a doctor. So I would definitely do 2,000 IUs a day. It's not going to hurt. Magnesium, 
It's another thing people are deficient in. Magnesium is great before bed. You know, magnesium citrate, natural calm. You know, if you take a drink of that, you'll you'll chill out a little bit. Your muscles are more relaxed. You feel a sense of well-being. You'll sleep better. And you're placing a mineral that gets depleted very easily through sweat. So to carry on with magnesium, a multi-mineral pill is also very good. So you got multi-mineral pill, magnesium, creatine, and vitamin D. Those are the only four I ever say for everybody are must-takes. The rest of that can be done by diet. And the only reason why I say it was four because you cannot eat enough creatine in your diet to supplement what you could use in a, from powder, number one. Number two, we don't get enough sunlight on a daily basis to make enough vitamin D. Unless you live in an equator climate and you're walking around shirtless all day, yep. you're not getting enough vitamin D. Number three, the minerals, the way our food is produced now and the way our soil is, it's been leached of minerals to begin with because of the way our modern agriculture is and how much we sweat when we work out and play sports, that taking minerals is definitely incredibly beneficial for you and your, your energy, your body, your health, your brain, your heart, all of it. So it's the only thing to worry about. And they won't make your son or your daughter a Patrick Mahomes. They will just make them healthier and able to be a little bit better as a healthier athlete. Now, for your kid being that's Pat Mahomes, well, hmm. it's a lot that happened there. Genetics, you know, luck, skill, practice, hard work, and obviously, you know, pretty good arms, pretty good arm strength. I noticed you left protein powder off that list. Yeah, because food is the number one variable for that one. Because first of all, I take protein powder now for something because of what I do for bodybuilding. So I'm not against it at all. However, it's not the same as a food. Yep. And and you will, if a kid, the only way I would give a kid a protein shake if he really has a hard time eating enough protein. And then I will supplement the protein shake, like protein, oats, peanut butter, banana, with some ice. You can put that all in a blender, add a little bit of water, add some milk, whatever. You get a very nutritious filling shake that's going to be about 800 calories right there. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. Now, you can't not drink that and gain weight. It's going to happen. Because if you're eating during the day and then you have to eat more, the best way to do is shake. However, I would definitely start working on eating more first because those are the habits that you sustain. You don't want to make you don't want to make somebody reliant upon supplements. Supplements are just that, a supplement, not a not a need. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts on the old school coaching philosophy that more is always better in terms of conditioning and i'm talking about gassers 110s 300s all that stuff because now people are saying well football's an anaerobic sport you only need to train anaerobically versus grinding the kids to create mental toughness where do you fall on that line i think it's a bunch of bullshit honestly uh over conditioning a kid just over conditioning kid doesn't really do anything for the sport mental toughness is needed to a certain extent for sure uh, there has to be I can believe in adding challenges to workouts maybe once every two weeks. And I'm, I'm talking loosely here. You know, once every couple of weeks, you know, add an element to the workout where it's a bit of a challenge. Okay, like today's conditioning, we're going to, you have, you have 20, you have 15 minutes of running steps up in the bleachers. You know, you're going to, we're going to keep track of your, you're going to keep track how many you run. And, and a person who runs the most steps, you know, up and down, so to speak, 
you know, wins a t-shirt from so-and-so or something like that. Or it's like, we're going to have a bench press for reps test. You know, we're going to have a sled, a sled pull test for speed. You know, we're going to have a hundred meter, hundred meter, like field sprint test. We're going to sprint from one goal line to the next. Those challenges are fun and it gave the competition the training that's going to be needed. Now, having said that, there's a line like what you, the idiot coach University of Iowa did yeah. when he had the people squatting their body like 225 for 100 reps and gave like 10 kids Robdo. You know, that was stupid. The challenge is that build mental toughness, camaraderie, and interest squad competition need to be doable enough, but need to be challenging enough to make the kids reach a little harder. We don't want the kid to be sitting there puking in the trash can when he gets done. Sometimes that shit happens where, you know, a kid might go push stuff too hard and it's like, okay, wow, take a seat for a minute, cool off, have some water, you'll be okay. Your day's done for the day, you've enough. But I wouldn't necessarily, that, if that's something people are doing often, you have to look at how you're training these people to realize, are we making them better? Or are we beating them up? Yeah, that was one of the changes I made to my program this summer was every, instead of a deload week, I made it a challenge week. And they didn't know what they were getting. And the first challenge week, I had everything written on note cards and I made one kid pull yeah. out the workout for the day. So you didn't know what, I had like six or seven different options. And they were like, oh awesome. crap, what the hell is this? And then all of a sudden they pull it and they say it and the, the kid's reaction was, was pretty awesome. But yeah, I, I'm a big believer in the challenge workouts, man. Because you and I were talking a couple of years ago because you had a, another conversation with Windler and he, he does that that you were saying yeah. and to success. And you're like, you need to throw that into your programs. I was, I remember that conversation. I was like, huh? Yeah. And then at the beginning of the summer, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take that and run with it. And, and yeah, it, it was great for our kids. Oh yeah. I mean, the kids, kids thrive on teamwork. Kids thrive on that camaraderie and kids want to be accepted amongst your peers. I mean, when you're a kid, you're very impressionable and we have to look at like child psychology and child development here. I mean, that's why I really, I mean, my psychology, education right now really comes in handy with coaching and especially I do believe that most coaches would be better served not going to school for exercise science but rather going to school for fucking psychology yeah because especially for today's kids is, yeah the exercise part is not that hard you know dealing with young minds is complex Gosh, and yeah. understanding like understanding the, the nuances of being a teenager in the year 2021 is a complete different animal than when we were kids. Yeah. You know, the distractions around the kid now are so profound. But now it's like they have internet, cell phone, Snapchat, this, that, everything, TikTok, Christ, you know, Xbox, PlayStation. And back when we were kids, it was like sticks. That's it. <laughs> Come home when you it's know, dark. Uh, yeah, it's like, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, we it was it was kids are still kids, but it's hard being a kid now. It really is. Yeah. And I think coaching, you understand, it's like kids above all else want to be accepted amongst their friends and to foster that teamwork environment and to foster a safe environment. We don't tolerate bullying. We don't tolerate other kids beating up other kids mentally. We don't tolerate that kind of negative, that negative talk to bring a kid down. Like, for example, I coach, I coach rugby for a little bit up here at Liberty High School. And right now I don't because of my time constraints are too much. And I tell this all the time, everybody, uh, the head coach of the high school for boys and girls is Tracy Davis. Tracy was a, a women's rugby player. She actually played for, she was USA rugby for a while. Like she was really good. And 
you know, Tracy and Jen Sinkler were in the same U.S. national team. So that's how I met Tracy from Jen Sinkler, because Jen was like, he, he's going to want to ask you for a coaching job. He said, well, he knows his shit. He's a good dude. You know, talk to him and see what you think. So she brought me on. And I have never in my life woken a better coach. And I'm not even exaggerating. I don't, I mean, it made me change the way I coach because she doesn't swear at all to the kids. And I, I swear a lot. And I had to like adopt a different style because I wanted to respect her rules. So I'd be like, come on, kid, get the, you know what? I'd like stop myself talking. Number two, she never said anything negative or yelled. There was no breaking the kid down. She corrected when it made mistakes. Like, hey, let's fix this, do this better. And she corrected the kids. There was no like, she didn't let the kids slide, but she didn't scream, she didn't yell, she didn't put down, there was nothing negative. And she maintained her composure in the field as a coach in a way I've never seen. Because, you know, north, north of Kansas City, you're dealing with some pretty conservative shit. And especially if you get to suburban schools, some of those country schools like Winnetonka, you're dealing with some real conservative shit. Yeah. And they don't like they don't like women coaching men's sports. Oh wow. And yeah, I mean, I've seen that firsthand with She's her. Welcome and to the twenty first. I've seen century. her I know, I've seen her maintain composure in the face of some insane sexism. And I'm sitting there, I asked her one day, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I'm literally getting mad for you. And she's like, I have no choice. She said, if I react in a bad way, they're going to call me a crazy bitch. Yeah, damn, that sucks. So that she had to, she's in that position. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, is that, here's a funny thing. Liberty High School rugby team, the year that I coached last, which was last year, they had 85 kids come out for the team. Holy cow. More than football. Really? Yeah. That's football awesome. Just quit football to play rugby. Just to go play for her. Yeah. Dang. Those kids will run through a fucking wall through her mm -hmm. because of how she, because she takes a genuine interest in their lives as a coach. Like if I say she's the best coach I've ever seen, I am not exaggerating. I mean, I wish coaches would learn from her because what she did was phenomenal. And we know the culture of football. How a toxic football coach should be like, come on, pussy, move the fucking ball. Right. You know, change it's changing a little bit in some ways, but it's also in some areas not gonna change. So you're like basically you're motivating a kid by degrading him. So you're not giving him an experience where we remember. He'll remember it, but remember, I'll oh, coach the fucking dick. Well, he won't remember like a hey, uh, you know, coach coach is awesome, he really helped me out a lot, you know, he cared about me. I mean, we have I mean we have kids that went to college that came back on their summertime and hanging out with team and helping them. I mean, one of the, I mean, it was stuff that she got these kids have gone through with her and what they do now. And you watch it. It's like, man, that's, that's coaching impact. Yeah. And she's molding, she's molding young men and women into better people and not just better athletes. What she's doing is showing them that, Hey, this is how coaching should be. Yep. So eventually some of these kids are going to want to coach someday too. And they'll have kids of their own. And guess what? Maybe they'll treat their kids a little bit differently because of her. That's that's awesome, dude. I want to meet this woman. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like I need to come out to Kansas City again. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All right, buddy. I know you're short on time, so let's let's wrap this up with with one final question. Um, well, it's maybe not so much of a question, but one piece of advice for a high school athlete and one piece of advice for a parent 
of a high school athlete? A high school athlete is obviously if you were taking sports seriously, watch, get enough sleep. I mean, eating over without question, listening to your coach and practicing over without question, but don't stay up all night playing Xbox and get up in the morning, go to school and expect to be any good at your sport. You're going to be tired. Sleep is the number one performance enhancer, period. Number two, for parents, do not live vicariously through your kids. Hallelujah. Well, allow your kids to enjoy the sport for them. Don't push your kids in the direction of a sport. Don't say, hey, I played football in school. Why don't you play football? You know, or don't be that parent in the sidelines making a scene. Nobody likes that shit. Coaches hate it. Kids are embarrassed by it. And it doesn't fucking matter. Because at the end of the day, your input isn't going to matter shit for the field. You're just making it, making a mockery of the sport and you're making a practical of itself. Yep. Support your kids. Let the coaches do their job as coaches and encourage your kids to be better without overbearing the kids and saying, hey, you know, don't, don't give your kids advice. I don't care if you play or not. You cannot coach your own kids. The kid will not listen to you. That's how it goes. They listen to the coach because you're a parent. They hear your shit all the time. They don't want to hear your shit over a sport. That's why you have coaches. No, that's called management. You delegate responsibility where it's important. As a parent, you're the child's manager. So trust the assistant manager, which is the football coach, which is the strength coach. Trust them to do the job properly. And if they're actually hurting your kid in some way, I don't mean hurting by not playing your kid. Like your kid ain't a good athlete, doesn't play, so be it. I mean hurt the kid by degrading him or physically actually hurting him, and then you can step in. Yeah. But let them do the job, trust their input, and then listen to your kids when they say, hey, you know, I'm having a problem. I don't like this sport. I might want to play something else. And don't make your kid feel bad for saying, well, you can't quit. Well, why not? If he's not enjoying it, maybe he wants to play something else. So fucking what? It's not hurting your ego if the kid plays golf and not football. Right, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. That's pretty much it. Parents, don't be assholes. <laughs> Take note, underline, highlight, do whatever you got to do. Yeah, D for real. Dude, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you came on. It's good to see your ugly ass face and, and finally got to catch yeah, up with likewise, you brother. on the video. Uh, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, social media, just go to jashman.com. All my social media links are on there. I have articles on there and whatnot. Also, KC, as in KansasCityBarbell.com, is my gym. So I am working on, the web, working on the website a little more. I'm putting more content up pretty soon. But, you know, anywhere, those two websites, you can find all my information, all my links. And obviously, if anybody has any questions at all about anything, you can send me an email. You can talk shit. I don't really care. You can call me a jerk. <laughs> I'm used to it. I've called you worse than a jerk before, so it's all good. Oh, yeah, dude. Every single day. <laughs> Let me tell you a little something about Chris, though. One of the biggest reasons, I mean, I tell you people don't know this stuff. One of the biggest reasons why Chris and I became good friends, and I won't name names the situation, but several years ago, we were both in the same powerlifting team and uh, online, and it was a pretty well-known team and all that. And I left, I left the team because I wasn't liking some of the direction they were going, and I wasn't really, I wanted to do my own thing a little more mm -hmm. with uh, training. And then behind the scenes, a couple of people on the team were saying some pretty ignorant shit about me. That's what they do. They talk trash to people. And everybody, and it's human nature to talk shit on people. We all do that. That's kind of what we all do. I mean, there's no one's ever going to have, we're always going to say something about somebody. Mm -hmm. But 
it's the extent of what you do it. It's that like really bad shit talking and you, you don't own up to it. So Chris had my back and he didn't really have to. And that said a lot about him as an individual because, you know, he got kicked off the team because of that, because he had my back at a point where he was like, hey, this isn't right. You know, he did a lot for you guys and you guys are shitting on him. And it was something I didn't even leave in bad blood. It was more like, I'm too busy with life. I'm sorry, guys. You know, great working with you. I got too much stuff to do about it. Your responsibilities. I didn't go ahead and shit talk them, but he they, they took that as like an insult. And I was like, that's not fair. So Chris had my back. And ever since then, we've been really good friends because that takes, that takes a good person to actually stand up when other people are doing wrong by you. Because honestly, not many people in America do that kind of stuff, especially in the internet age. It's too easy to blow things off and to let people talk shit to other people or your friends. But it, the mark of a really good friend is having your friends back. And I know without a doubt that if I could count Chris or anything, you know, that would be being a good friend. Like we could probably not talk for a month because of our lives happening. And then we start talking again. It's like you picked up like nothing left off. Yep. Awesome. Appreciate you saying that, man. That was nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I love you. Love you too, man.